life is change, and you can be prepared. This is Sudden Money Insights, hosted by Susan K. Bradley. Financial advisors work with clients in transition every day. But what can you offer that other advisors can't? Become a certified financial transitionist through the Financial Transitionist Institute. We go beyond traditional CFP training to provide you with the tools you need to support your clients on the human side of life's big transitions. Learn more by visiting financialtransitionist.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Sudden Money Insights. We get to talk with Lisa Kirschenbauer today. I've known Lisa Kirschenbauer maybe 20 years now, oh, more than 20 years now, because the Institute's more than 20 years. Uh, I met you back in the 90s, and you were one of the pioneers that were out there kind of ahead of this wave of the personal side of financial planning. I think your background is fascinating. First, tell us how you got into financial planning to begin with. Well, I, I honestly, I, I stumbled in a little bit, um, like many of us do, I think, professionally, especially, you know, 40 years ago. Um, I had an international relations degree. Um, I thought I wanted to work for the government or maybe in investment banking. Um, I moved um, from where I was at school in California to the East Coast um, to take a government job that ended up not working out. And so I started looking around for a job and I ended up um, at EF Hutton, which is a name that um, some people will know, um, but not everybody, um, as a, a sales assistant. And I became a registered sales assistant. I was, women were generally sales assistants, um, men were generally brokers, if you remember that time. Um, but I was lucky enough to work with a certified financial planner broker. I had five brokers I worked with. My head broker was actually a CFP who wrote financial plans. This was back in 1985, which was pretty unusual. And so I got exposed. And, and because I, I went to a school that didn't have a business degree, um, they had econ, that was about it. You know, I didn't really get exposed to finance in the way that maybe some other people did. So I was really fascinated. I liked math. Um, and so I realized that, gosh, this really could be interesting. I liked working with people. Um, I ended up leaving EF Hutton because honestly, at that point in time for women, it wasn't, the, the prospects weren't that great. Um, and I ended up working on a trading desk in 19, uh, 1987. So I remember um, Black Monday, um, I was trading securities for, for retail clients. And that was a good move into the, the corporate part of of financial planning, investment management, that kind of area. I worked for an insurance affiliated broker dealer. I had leadership roles. I was in the corporate environment. And, um, you know, I think one of the turning points was when there was an opportunity to run the broker dealer, which is, you know, the, the management part. And I was passed over by a man who wasn't really any more qualified than I was. And I realized probably my fate lied outside of um, the traditional corporate world. And so I, I got more onto the sales side, started working with clients in, in the mid-90s. And by 1999, I was ready to start my own business. So I've had my business. Um, it was originally um, had my name in the business name. 
Um, but and and so that was the case at the beginning. I was still I was still uh, affiliated with a broker dealer, and um, but but by then, by 1999, as you can remember, uh, before the dot com bubble, I was lucky enough, and this was probably the beginning of my transition into the work we do now. I had the opportunity to um, do seminars at AOL, America Online, um, back when the stock market, the tech stocks were doing great, and there was all of this sudden wealth being created. Um, and they had no idea what to do with it. They didn't come from that kind of wealth. Um, and it, it started to become clear that while they certainly needed the technical um, guidance, they really needed something else. But I, I didn't really know exactly how to deliver it. And um, so luckily, a, a couple of years later is when I started to find our community and realized there was a whole group of people out there that that were doing more holistic, more human work. It wasn't just about the money. And I realized, wow, that was going to help me a great deal in working with these relatively young people experiencing sudden wealth. And of course, by then the dot-com bubble burst, but um, that, I realized that was some of the work I wanted to do. And, and by 2004, we went fully independent. Um, uh, and that's, um, and, and about four years later, right in the middle of the financial crisis is when we renamed the company um, to what it is currently, Omega Wealth Management. Um, and, and so I bet you're curious about what Omega is, because everybody says yeah. Alpha, Omega, the end. It's not that at all. I know you well enough to know that there has to be meaning to that because you do things very purposefully. Tell me, what is it? What's Omega? Yeah. So, so what I was inspired by was the Omega Institute in upstate New York. I went to a, um, a meditation weekend retreat. And I was reading about how they came up with the name and the inspiration for them was what is called uh, an Omega point. It's, if you see a graphic of it, it's a swirling point and it, it, it's moving upwards. And it's basically the point to which all life is evolving. And that's the work we do is we're helping clients evolve. We're evolving um, the transformative work we do, people evolve. And so that's the inspiration, not anything that people normally think it is good that makes more sense to me and it makes sense to me that that would feel so comfortable for you because the work you do obviously is much more than the money work and where you started it was all about money yep. um, in the, the the brokerage i i did not spend time there but my grandfather comes from there and my uncles and stuff and they really they had good relationships but their clients were distribution units they bought and sold and created commissions and that's all there really was back then so yeah. i didn't i didn't fit when i looked at that and you gave it a try and you got some really good experience there's nothing wrong with that experience at all it's just not everything so tell me about how your services to your clients have changed since you started omega you said in 04 no 08 you well started no actually I, I started the business under its prior name with my name on it in 99 and back then I was still charging commissions. I was charging um, planning fees, some investment management fees. Um, I was definitely a little on the cutting edge at that point. But but what I realized pretty quickly is that the kind of clients that um, we wanted to work with and really need our assistance, um, most of the business models that were available or were recommended 
didn't fit with what they needed. They needed somebody who would be there, as we talk about in that anticipation stage, before you actually get the money. Well, the problem is that even now to this day, 23 years later, most advisors have to get the money in order to get compensated before they'll give advice. It was really backwards. And so we started to develop a model where we were charging an ongoing planning fee so that we could start guiding and assisting and advising clients. And if the money stayed in AOL stock, so be it. But if it didn't, you know, in the meantime, there was a lot of planning to do. There was a lot of questions to think about, um, framework to build. And, you know, and so when I found your work, it was sort of simultaneously to me realizing I need to do, do something different. And, you know, uh, the first round of training that I did um, with the Sudden Money Institute goes back to 2004. So it was a long time ago. Um, seems like yesterday, but a long time ago. And, and it was so transformational because I realized, well, A, I had found the community that I belonged in. B, I was developing, actually developing the skills, not just intuitively uh, working with clients. Um, I, I knew there was more to it than, you know, just the technical side. But then starting to have some understanding structure um, guidance around how to help clients in significant transition was really, really powerful. You know, I recall a conversation with you kind of way back then. Um, I don't know if you were at the beginning or further on in the training, but I remember talking about, remember the, the tool that we use called um, communication preference. And you hadn't gotten to using it yet. And I suggested maybe you would like it. And I think you called me back and <laughs> told me some stories about clients. And I think that's the kind of thing that you take your time and clients' time to understand their preferences. And when life changes, those preferences change. So when you're doing things like that, I think in the old days, we thought of that as maybe discovery kind of whatever, and then you got to the business of the money part. But those kinds of protocols to help a couple understand this and that, that has real value and takes real time. So you have to have a business model that everybody agrees that that's valuable. And was that a hard process to kind of move into charging fees for this transition project work that you do that, I don't know, how long do they last and how much time do they take? Well, you know, at this point, we generally um, only work with clients on an ongoing basis. And, and part of that is my personal preference that we do so much um, work up front to get to know the client very intimately, honestly. And the idea that you would only work together temporarily has never been my chosen way. And since it's my business, I get to choose, right? Um, and while we used to do a, a lot more of that sort of um, bite-sized work, project work, um, really most clients work with us for many, many years now. And I love that because what we all know is that we're all gonna have multiple transitions in our lives. It's not a one and done. It is not a destination. It is a journey. And they may come for one transition, but then have another one later on. And it's so nice because we already know them 
you know, we can help them, I think, better navigate through that next transition because we were with them on the last transition. Mm, yeah, 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 that makes sense. So when you work with clients, do you bundle everything together or do you separate it out? Do people pay for planning and then pay something for asset management? Yeah, we do separate it because occasionally we have situations where maybe there is a, you know, there's an advisor or an investment advisor that the client wants to maintain or often, more often for us, we work with a lot of business owners or um, we work with other client situations where money is tied up elsewhere, um, but they still need all of the advice. And it's so fascinating to me because, because most advisors, again, they can only get paid if they can get their hands on the assets. And so that client, if they, if they can't get access to it, doesn't seem like a good client. And yet for us, they could be a fabulous wonderful client. And so we have an ongoing annual planning fee that we charge. And then we have a separate smaller investment management fee if we are directly managing it. Now, you can't just get the investment management because that's not what we believe in. You've got to be part of the full financial life planning process, the full transition management process. Um, and we can add on the investment management because honestly, it's a commodity. It's a necessary commodity, but it is it really, in this day and age, is not where the true value is. Have clients changed over that period of time? You know, I think the thing that I've, some of it you see in the commercials too. Um, now, people expect a more personalized approach. They expect more than you talking about their money. I mean, think about those, those silly Fidelity commercials. Um, you know, the, even they're trying to, you know, have a personal relationship with you know, the hundreds of thousands, millions of clients that they work with. Um, so I think there's an expectation that that um, as an advisor, as a planner, as a financial transitionist, that we're really getting to know the client. We really understand them, not just understand their money and their dollars and cents. And, and yet, unfortunately, many people go thinking that's what they're going to get when they visit with a new advisor and they don't get that. So do you think that people really know themselves well when they come and they start uh let, let's say it's someone in a pretty significant transition say uh, uh when two becomes one kind of thing a, a divorce or widowhood or or even the sale of a business and retirement do they come thinking them they know themselves and then through the process with you they discover or they're able to articulate ideas or things that they want, need, hope for, that they wasn't really on the surface? You know, really interestingly, um, we're working with a, um, a, a widow, a recent widow, um, early, earlier this year it happened. And um, I had actually talked to, to she and her husband last year, and they ended up not coming on board. The husband was honestly fairly controlling, managed everything. Um, and then, and then he was gone. And um, it was, it, it's been very interesting understanding the family's concerns for mom, what she's focused on. And, and there was one day that I was just having a conversation with her and the kids were often her adult children are on the calls with us. Um, but, but that day they weren't. And we had the most fascinating conversation talking about the things that she really wanted to do. And I can tell you, none of those came up 
in our prior conversations with the couple. And, and it was fairly early on in losing her husband. And so I was a little surprised myself because I wasn't sure she was ready to, to articulate what she wanted and what was important to her, but she did. And, and that's been so helpful. Um, I do think it's always fun with couples doing the communication preference because there, there's often a part where they'll look over to their spouse and, and say, well, does that sound like me? Um, you know, and, and it's sort of cute because sometimes it's a bit of a team effort of, of self-reflection and self-awareness. Um, you know, I, I think the last piece is, it's sort of a de depends. I mean, if they're going through a really hard transition, you can feel so unmoored, untethered that you, you're losing track of who you are and what's important to you. You know, and that's, I think the beauty of the work we do is that we can help clients rediscover that or rediscover it in a new way because now their circumstances change. Um, and and so I'd say sometimes it's a complete complete re revelation and sometimes they have some sense, um, but they've never been asked to talk about these things with an advisor. That's That's the big shocker for them, I think, most of the time is that we're having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, I have heard that. I have heard that before. And I've also heard a lot of stories, some from you, on the expectations that people have. They thought certain transition events were going to be one way and there's something else. And I hear sometimes there's some shame and confusion about maybe those shoes don't fit, if you know what I mean. Yeah, minimize these big life events to a pair of shoes, but we all know what it feels like when your shoes don't fit. You can't go very long. Yep. Well, and I mean, this, this same example, you know, everything was supposedly in order and it wasn't. And there were things that we couldn't fix after the fact, but we could have fixed last year. Mm. And that those are, those are hard, you know, and I, we have to tread really carefully because because there's, you know, a, a view of perhaps the, the, the spouse um, who's now gone was a provider who had taken care of everything. And then all of a sudden, things aren't quite as well taken care of. And, and having learning to navigate that gently with the client is and have the sensitivity around what that might mean is really important. And that's certainly over the years, um, some of the skill set that I feel like I've learned as part of our community. Yeah, the, the idea of going slowly and letting it sink in and letting people move into this new space. And, you know, quite honestly, that's a lot more work than um, I, I would go so far as to say the traditional certified financial planner. Um, it's yeah, behavioral finance is recognized and it's talked about. Uh, every year more than the past, but it's not knowing about it, it's the doing of it. And how does that all come together um, and, and change and go? And that's a lot of work that you and your team, I know you have a team of certified financial transitionists as well, but Lisa, I mean, let's face it, you do a lot more than run your business. You serve on the uh, Financial Planning Association National Board. That's a big commitment. You show up here at the 
financial transition is. And you were just at our Inward Bound retreat, and I don't know how many of those you've attended. So you're always stretching. How do you have time for all that? How does that work? Well, you know, sometimes um, better than other times. Um, but I think, <laughs> right? But what I would say is I think what can help you understand it better is my personal mission is to have um, as positive and significant of an impact um, on as many people while I'm on the planet as possible. Our business mission now is to have a positive and significant impact on our clients, on the community and the profession. And so once you understand that that's our mission, that's my mission, that, that helps explain why am I involved with the Financial Planning Association, because that's, that's our profession. I want to help move our profession forward, as well as the, the more specific subset of um, Financial Transitionist Institute, Sudden Money Institute. Um, I'm also in, involved, do a little bit of volunteer work for the Foundation for Financial Planning with their cancer initiative. So people going through cancer, huge transition can be very stressful financially, um, volunteering here and there on a pro bono basis, because that's part of reaching the community. Um, I'm involved, I have been involved at various levels with my, my church and its leadership. Um, you know, I think it's just Giving back is really important. Um, there are times where I have more energy for those things. Other times I, I'm putting more energy, it may be into my family as well as my business. Um, we're actually in a, a very big transformation within our business. We've gotten to a certain point and now we understand that what it's going to take to get to the next level will be different. And so, you know, we're undergoing transition in, in the business itself, which, uh, you know, I'm grateful that we have some understanding and, and, and tools and, you know, can offer ourselves some grace as we go through that process. That's nicely said there. Um, but I just want to call out to anybody that might be listening. Um, many, 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 the vast majority of financial planners would say kind of what you just said. They want to give back They and and they do their best. I'm, I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying it's harder than it looks. Most people really can't keep going. And ever since I've known you in the early 2000s, you have kept going. And it's the passion that drives the process, not the process. Yep. And that is very, that's very much you. Um, as you look forward and you you and your family, your kids are graduating from college and they're starting their lives, that's a huge transition. It is. Empty nester and the college graduations and, and all of that, that happening. And the world is so uncertain. Um, it seems to me that the new value proposition is transition skills, teaching clients transition skills but you have to take your own medicine to really appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you absolutely do. I mean, um, uh, you know, along the way in, in my development in this work, there's definitely been a lot of personal development, you know, meditation, yoga, things that help keep me centered, help me navigate through these times of great uncertainty, great volatility. I'm, you know, I, I really have a sense that, um, having been through 2008, 2009, 2001, 2002, 
Um, I know that I'm, uh, I have evolved over the last 20 years in dealing with these, the, the uncertainty and the volatility. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I, you know, without having been part of this community, I, I don't know that I would have gotten that, that skill set, that support that makes navigating through what we're going through right now a, a lot easier. Not easy, but, but a little easier. Thank you for that. Um, a final question. I think there's a reality check that the world is getting about the financial markets and about inflation and about housing and about conflicts throughout the world and climate. So how do you keep your clients safe when maybe in the past their wealth was in financial markets and housing and their earning capacity? What do you think is the new normal for stability in the, the kind of families that you work with? I don't know if I'm gonna answer this in the way you were looking for, but I think some of the most important things that we talk about are um, resilience, are um, controlling what you can control, you know, which is basically your reaction to things around you, um, focusing on what's most important to you, which is often not a financial measurement. Um, really helping clients reground themselves in times of uncertainty and turmoil. And that seems to be working because to be honest with you, Susan, we're not hearing from a lot of clients. You know, occasionally if it's a really down day, we might get an email or maybe a phone call. Uh, you know, some of our old school clients actually still call. Um, but generally, you know, what we also try to do is intuitively um, anticipate and send out communications to the clients to help sort of reground them, to recenter them, to let them know that we're their, their thinking partner, we're gonna be there along the way. Um, maybe even not look at their statements um, because over, over anchoring to those transitory numbers is really not very healthy. Um, and, and, and so I guess that's how we're, we're doing it. And, you know, I think we've communicated, um, I was talking to somebody today and they said, it sounds like you've trained your clients well. Well, I think we've just communicated well with them and let them know how much we care and that we're going to be there every step along the way. And I think um, that's all we can do in, in, in a time where there's so many things we can't control. Lisa, that's a pretty profound distinction. Someone saying you trained your clients well versus your relationships are solid and trusted. And it's, I, I could work much better with someone that I trust and I know that they know me than someone who has trained me not to respond this way or that way. There's a big shift there. So I say, brava, keep going, Omega uh, now and Omega in the future. I have confidence that um, you're going to be a firm that people can turn to and that really you inspire the financial planning profession. And I actually mean that, that's a big statement, but um, I'm not polishing your shoes. This is for real, you do inspire. And I thank you for that. Thanks Susan, great to be with you. 